0: hey good morning everybody scott luton and special guest host ward richmond in the house here on supply chain now we've got a great episode teed up welcome to the show ward how you doing i'm doing great scott good to be here it's been too long man i know if there's ever reason to come back together and take a little time from our schedules it is to interview our special guests here today and ward i see You've got a pretty cool hat on. Where can I get one of those cool hats?
1: Well, these hats are available. All you got to do is just shoot me an email, and uh, I'll get you one. I've I've actually got it. I'm out of them right now, but I'm ordering more. They're my supplychainrealestate.com dot com hats. So they're trucker hats, of course. They have the mesh back on them, and I wanted to uh, sport that today since we're talking about truck driving and truckers on the road.
0: So TP, computer chips, and really cool Ward hats, all absent. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll get our our team on that. But regardless, we've got an outstanding episode here today, folks. Beyond Ward, who always makes a great show, we've got a over-the-road professional truck driver here and really an ambassador for the driving industry. So stay tuned. Ward, are you as excited as I am about this conversation? I,
1: I am. I'm pumped up about it.
0: All right. So, well, let's save the most of our time for our special guest. So, with no further ado, I want to welcome in Kelly Lynn McLawlin, an OTR professional driver and training engineer with Schneider, and, if that's not enough, a driver ambassador with Women in Trucking. So, Kelly Lynn, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you? I got to say howdy because I'm in Texas.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were in Texas. I didn't pick that up on that. Well, I'm
2: actually in Santa Fe, but I was born in Texas, raised in Oklahoma, and so...
1: All right. Well, I usually
2: I, say howdy when I greet people.
1: You got your fellow Texan here with you, so I got you.
0: All right. Well, it's like you took a sneak peek at our our, our interview framework here today, Kelly Lynn, because that's where, exactly where we want to start. So, Ward, yeah, where, where are we going first?
1: Uh, yeah. Kelly Lynn, great to have you here. Um, good to reconnect. Let's start out by just talking a little bit about you. Like, uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about that so we can get the backstory.
2: Well, I was born in Lubbock, but I was raised most of the time in Oklahoma City and I would spend every summer out on my grandparents ranch. They raised Angus cattle and my job every summer was to make the sweet tea to take it out to the people that were doing the work out in the field, either cutting hay or castrating the young bulls. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what I did. My dad was an amateur race car driver. And so there were a lot of fast cars in my life. And matter of fact, the very first car I ever rode in was one of the old-style Porsches that had those slanted roofs. And my brother and I had to sit under the sun in Lubbock, Texas, in that little slanted area that was our seat. So safe, right? But anyway, so I grew up doing that. And I wound up going to OSU and getting a degree there. And my life after college really changed.
0: Well, so really quick, you know, folks from Atlanta. Or Atlantans, right? What are folks from Lubbock called? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't just, know. Lubbockans? I have no idea. I don't know that. I'm trying to figure that out as well as folks from Dallas Ward.
1: We're yeah. Dallas sites is what
0: they Dallas, call uh, us. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Learn something new
1: every day. Yeah. So I yeah. actually, growing up in Texas, my cousins all live out in the country. So my uncle is a cattle rancher. So I never castrated any bulls, but I was part of the pregnant testing of cow process, right. which is that is that is something to witness as a as a junior high schooler, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that turned me off from the cattle ranching industry. Oh, well. I can yeah. imagine?
2: Well, my other job was to pick okra out in her garden. <laughs> that was so itchy, but I still love okra. I love fried okra so...
0: Is there anything better, really? Uh, Hopefully that was part of your contract for picking okra, is that uh, she'd fry it right there, salt it right Mm -hmm. as it came out of the fryer. That's one of the best things known to humanity, right?
2: Yeah, truly, truly. Yeah, you got to be a southerner to understand that.
0: Yeah, Maybe so. (laughs) All right, so Ward, you've done a good job of really... Getting some of Kelly Lynn's background out, uh, growing up there in Lubbock, Texas, and and some of those farm experiences. Of course, we got to talk food and fried okra.
1: Well, Scott, what? Sorry, I have to say one more thing about Lubbock, Texas. It's like the i think of it as like the music capital of texas everyone thinks of austin but lubbock is home of buddy holly and Waylon jennings oh wow So he really grew up in littlefield but the, i think of them both as love guys and the whole west texas music scene you know how much i yeah. love good texas music and i mean it's just the the place to yeah. be for all that yes. great music
0: peggy sue peggy sue is that one of your buddy <laughs> Holly favorites yeah
1: and whalen jennings started his career as a radio dj which was basically like being a podcaster. So we have that in common. <laughs> and also I have to show you, I have a Waylon Jennings tattoo on my arm. Oh, wow. Because Impressive. I mean, and I got to my band back in the day, we played a show with Waylon back in 2001. And that was just before he passed away. Wow! But I got to meet the man himself backstage at a concert. So that was like childhood dream. Wow.
0: I love that. All right. One more music thing. I want to ask Kelly Lynn one more follow-up question on food before we start talking her journey is that Highwaymen concert in the early 90s it's on youtube you know they they play a full 12 or 14 song set chris christopherson willie nelson of course waylon yep. johnny cash johnny cash that is yeah. one of the best free True. concerts available at the okay. best yes. yeah you were going to say something cousin well
2: i was going to say my mom recently passed and while she was passing we played willie nelson redheaded stranger
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That See, I top mean, top.
2: Willie Nelson has a, a soft place of my heart. Yeah, truly. Yes. Yeah. So, and Johnny Cash, I love Johnny Cash as well.
1: I got one more story on that. Redheaded Stranger was recorded at the Audio Dallas Recording Studio right down here where I did a, I did an album there back in 2016 and got to record there. And it's still like all cool vintage style. And I mean, they didn't change a thing since he recorded that album there. So uh, actually in Garland, Texas, All right. we got to talk about truck driving (laughs) (laughs) to our
0: listeners. I promise you we're going to be talking about supply chain and truck driving. and, And that's where we're going next. But I love, it sounds like we could talk for hours, three of us about music and food for that matter. But Kelly, Kelly Lynn, rather, I want to, um, I want to talk about, you've got a fascinating pre-truck driving, kind of pre your current positions, mm. um, history, a little bit of, uh, so you graduated from Oklahoma State University, go Cowboys, right? Yeah, uh, go
2: folks. Go folks. That's,
0: right, <laughs> that's right. You served in the Peace Corps, you work internationally for a nonprofit, and mm. what we're going to talk about in a moment is you also led the logistics for a high school marching band that perhaps changed the trajectory of your career. We'll talk about that in just a second, but first working internationally with a nonprofit and of course via the Peace Corps as well. What was one of your favorite parts about that that part of your journey?
2: Well, let me just go back a little bit. Because this is, I think what a lot of college kids, happens to them is that you go through college, you get a degree, you get so far along, you just have to finish the darn degree, right? But you maybe find out that that's not what you wanna do the rest of your life. And that happened to me. So I graduated with the degree and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Right. And this was about the time of the Nicaragua issues going on. And I just really felt confused and uninformed as, you know, I just had a very sheltered life. So I went overseas to learn more about the world. And as I did, I learned more about myself and I found a new direction. I always thought that I wanted to be a pilot. As a matter of fact, I was flying airplanes before I was, tinkering around and racing around in my dad's sports cars, wow. but I even was accepted into the Air Force academy made but at the last minute, just a change of direction. and it was probably one of the best things I did. I went overseas. and the thing I learned was that I had this huge part of me that wanted to make the world a better place when I found out that not everybody had the same luxuries that I did, only because they were born a different color or in a different place. Mm. So you don't choose who you are when you're born. You get what you get, right? Mm. And that was a huge awakening to me. And that's why I stayed in international development for over a decade and I worked for an organization called World Neighbors and they they used to be quite large but we you know our country went through some declines economically and mm. and giving went away for a period of time and some organizations couldn't survive that. And that one really hurt. And I um, I'm still connected with all of my friends overseas. And a matter of fact, you know, we have a monthly get together and we're still working together as a group to try and make the world a better place. Love that. and Yeah.
0: Sounds like it's, uh, it's uh, comes from a very passionate and genuine uh, part of you, Kelly Lynn. And we need more folks like that. We need more folks building those bridges. And bringing bringing folks together because there's plenty of topics yeah. that's pulling us apart. So, yeah. So so clearly, part of your international journey was 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 experimenting and finding out more about yourself and really what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. One more question, and I want to talk about this pivotal role with the marching band. You're flying aircraft too. Just when the legend of Kelly Lynn McLaughlin cannot get bigger, you're, t- you're <laughs> flying around an aircraft too. What you fly?
2: Well, I flew single engine aircraft, uh, you know, from the time I was 14 until about 19. And I had a hot air balloon stage for a short period of time. I decided that required way too much logistics. I just I couldn't do it. Once I got into college and my money started dwindling, those kinds of things had to go by. But I did get a scholarship through Civil Air Patrol to go fly T-38 jets in Vance Air Force Base in Enid, Oklahoma. Omg! That was so much fun. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, And
0: hmm? the T-38 folks, y'all should know that she's referencing is, uh, was the lead trainer for the air force for decades. It's now going Mm -hmm. through. And I think, I'm not sure if they've selected a replacement just yet. I know there was a big procurement play there, but so you've flown in a T-38 as well. Is that right, Kelly Lynn? Mm A T-38,
2: a P-38, all the different Cessnas, you know, I, I, I flew it all, Man. so, yeah, I, but I just couldn't afford it once, you know, I got in college, and I had to pay for that, and it just kind of went by the wayside, but I'm thinking about going back and getting back into it, because my youngest daughter is now studying at OSU to become a commercial pilot, wow. so Very she's cool. finishing up her instrument right now, and then, you know, moving on, and I'm, thinking like wouldn't it be great you know we could just take the prince fly and go across the country and
1: (laughs) (laughs) love it
0: love it when oysters aren't in season you go you go to wherever they Mm -hmm. are in season how cool is that Yep. so let's talk we sounds like we need to book six hours with Kelly next time to get all the stories out (laughs) there but let's talk about this pivotal role as director of logistics yeah high school marching band tell us about that
2: right so i was very involved with my kids when you know they're little in school but when they get into high school i figured out there's not a lot of opportunity to be a parent volunteer and you know they're kind of learning how to grow on their own and they want the schools want to build that separation and so i figured out that they were both a little bit musically inclined more nerdy than musically inclined which is why they wound up in band and I thought, well, I'll be a band volunteer, but I hung out for a year and just kind of observed what was going on, and my daughter's only a year apart, and I thought those parents were kind of nutty, (laughs) really into the band. I was never a band kid. I didn't get it. It was very expensive, you know, and the Midwest and Southern bands are huge, and it was the largest school activity in terms of numbers of kids participating, we had a $350,000 budget and 350 kids. Uh, Amazing. Anyway, I got asked to coordinate logistics because I was a Peace Corps volunteer and knew how to do a bunch of different things. Right. And I said, yes. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I had to coordinate all the volunteers, the props, you know, on and off the shows. We fed all the kids and the students. So like a thousand meals a day at our events. We had quite some logistics,
0: Kelly Lynn. Those those are some big time logistics. You're not lying.
2: And guess what? I also had to fix the equipment too, because they're rolling those things all over the place and they break wheels and all sorts of things. And we had this, had a bunch of trailers that got a couple of food trucks and then some just, you know, equipment trailers. And then we had this 53 foot low boy, which had been modified. And it had hoists and winches that came out the side and podiums that popped out. It was double-decker. We put all the uniforms in it. I mean, it was was a job. It was a full-time job. I had no idea. Anyway, we had a dad that used to drive for Crete. He was the volunteer driver. He was grumpy. He told me, don't put anybody in my cab. And he got in my face when he said it. And I was like, okay, dude, you're on your own. (laughs) You get all the space you need. And then after about a year of doing that, and I did it for four years, I told him, I was like, you know, I think I figured out I'm your boss and I want to ride in that truck on the way up to St. Louis. No, we were going to Indy. And he said, sure. And we got, I got in the truck and he was just Mr. Chatty. He was so nice. He's been one of my biggest mentors Hmm. and encouragers. And one of the things he said on that very first trip was I was like, oh, I got, you know, this is the closest thing to flying I have felt in a long time is exactly what I said and he's like, you can do it. And I looked at him and I was like, nah, I don't think so. It takes, you know, way more than what I got. And he said, no, you go to CDL school, you get a permit just like you did when you were learning to drive a car and then you go take the test and you're a truck driver. It's not quite like that, (laughs) but it was enough encouragement that I went home and i thought about it and after all of the adventures that i've had and i have young daughters that are trying to figure out what they want to be in life i thought do i want to be on my deathbed and say gee i wish i had learned how to be a truck driver i wish i had driven a big rig, driven a big rig after all these other things and the answer was no i don't i don't want to pass so i just did what it took to make it happen
0: i, I love that all right so ward I want to, based on what you heard there, but I know you're going to take it in a different direction, but based on what you heard there, what is so cool about Kelly Lynn finding at least one of her callings in life through a kind of a, um, via a job that she probably didn't think that was being part of the, the value prop Ward? What'd you hear there?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I, I just think it's just like the hero's journey there and you're living life and you're doing something to, help help out with your kids. And then all of a sudden you're seeing these memories, you're feeling the same feelings you felt when you're flying an yeah. airplane, riding in the cab of a truck, you probably never would have thought that. And then, <laughs> yep. and that's like, uh, there's so many of those forks in the road in life. And it's like, that's cool. Are you gonna, are you gonna go for it? And I mean, I had, I've, I've faced that before when I watched a friend's band playing a garage one time and i said i want to mm-hmm. go do that and, mm-hmm. and i bet scott one day is like i want to start a podcast because th- this <laughs> is cool and i mean it's not something that's on this normal path but then you go take it and i mean now you've built what you've built scott so i think it's so cool and uh so it was just leading into my next hey, question for kelly oh, i've got
0: one more important okay. key takeaway and then you then you, you the baton's all yours but kelly lynn is it's already an inspirational uh, conversation for us and it reminds me of there i'm gonna butcher this quote but i think it's an important one it's one of my favorite ones i've come across with lately saint francis of assisi you know who i'm talking about i may have said that mm-hmm. wrong too that's okay um he he was quoted as saying uh, long ago is that the words you share in the moment may be the only sermon that that certain individuals hear and you know mm-hmm. inspiration can come from everywhere motivation you know, the, the empowerment can come from anywhere and it is just so cool that you challenging the truck driver that you'd like to ride in his cab. And then the relationship y'all had that had such a big impact on uncovering one of the, the reasons you're here on this earth, you mm-hmm. know, to to not That's only true. do what you do, critical background of, of global supply chain, but be an inspiration and ambassador for the industry. And we need lots of that. So Kelly Lynn, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing <laughs> That story, and I'll never look at marching bands ever, ever uh, again the same way.
2: Yeah, they are—they are, a, they are a, a feat of engineering and hard work.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, so Ward, I'm going to ask you a question, and then you take it through this, this next segment. But it, were you yeah. in the marching band? And if you were, was it anything like what Kelly Lynn just just painted that picture of?
1: I was on the football team. So right, right. Yeah, I was a football player, so I didn't play. Like I started playing in the band, my like a rock band, my senior year of high school, but never was in the marching band. Okay, that's right. You're but, a and I always appreciate a good drum line, and I mean that just yeah. like gets you pumped up at the pep rallies and the football games. Mm-hmm. Like I still know, like in my head, these songs you know that would play and all of that. And then, Love it even incorporated some of that into my own bands that we played in over the years, like some of those songs from football. So I love it. Okay. All
0: right. So appreciate you sharing that aspect of your journey. Ward, where are we going next with Kelly Lynn?
1: Okay. So now we're going to move into you followed the dream. You got the CDL, you are now an official (laughs) OTR professional driver that's over the road. For those that don't know, that's a long haul trucker. If you want to, you know, get real colloquial about it and one of the most impressive jobs. And I know I keep talking about me being in a band and everything, but Kelly Lynn and I met because I do work in the commercial real estate sector, specializing in working with trucking companies and logistics companies through that I became affiliated with NASCO, which is how we met. And, And we started talking about truck parking is how we started talking about so that's just a little background there and now would love to just dig into life on the road and what does your day look like or year look like as a long-haul trucker
2: well my well as a long-haul trucker when i'm driving i don't know where i'm going i get my assignments i drive for a carrier i'm a company driver i drive dry van i have a sleeper truck as opposed to a day cab which is a little bit shorter and more maneuverable i have my tanker endorsement so occasionally i am a tanker and what they do is they put these 500 gallon Totes, they call them totes. They're not totes. You cannot pick these things up. But they fill up my my box with all these totes. And then you kind of like go down the ocean like a ship. It's it's one of my favorite things to do, is to be a tanker, and which is different from oversized heavy haul from bulk, which are straight up tankers, flatbed, that kind of thing. So I can carry anything they can put in my box. I'm limited to eighty thousand pounds and i go out anywhere from 5 days to 3 weeks at a time and i sleep in my truck i eat in my truck i do my business in my truck it's my home it's my workspace it's my kitchen it's my bed it's uh, you know it's amazing what i can put into my my space and I, I get very creative with my cooking. I do have a fridge now in the truck that I have. Her name is Amelia, and she is named after Amelia Earhart. Go figure. There you <laughs> go. And you know, I just love it. I love the adventure. I'm a very social person and outgoing. I love meeting new people. That was one of the things that really surprised me. Like how many people I got to meet because there's this misconception that this is a very lonely job. It can be. If you're an introvert, you can make it a quiet, peaceful thing. But for me, I was meeting new people. I love meeting the customers. Pre-COVID, one of my favorite things to do at a customer was get offered a tour of the facility. So I get to see how things are made and stored and packaged and fascinating. And before I was in trucking, I was one of those people that just didn't appreciate the supply chain. I right. took it for granted. And I, I thought trucks were in my way. I didn't understand why they were so slow and their speeds would vary and they took up so much darn space. I mean like really, just get out of my way, okay? <laughs> and um but I still had an appreciation for them. I thought they were the cowboys of the highway, right? I I didn't have the perception that they were less than human, which right. Somehow over the years, that happened, and it is incredibly sad. And I also gained an appreciation for how dangerous this job is, and that we are, in terms of numbers of death, we're the fifth most dangerous job in the nation. In terms of injury rates, we're 233% more likely to have an injury on the job than, and this is from U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. That's just sad that. These people are, have the lifestyle challenges they have, incredibly low pay. They work a 70 hour a week. It's super dangerous. They have very little time at home. It's hard on the relationships. And then they're treated oftentimes not respectfully by the people that we share the road with that depend. They absolutely 100% depend on us. If I could just say that. And they don't see us. Right. And I mean, like, really I'm big and I'm orange. Cause I drive for Schneider and it's like really, how can you not see me? I'm like the giant pumpkin on right. the road.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's. So I bet there's gonna be some folks listening to this podcast that what you just shared over the last three minutes is, is new to them, right? They're, they they w- whether it's because of their role in global business, maybe that you know they're not involved in supply chain or logistics or shipping, what have you. Uh, so spill that out a little bit more. Where do you think most of the discourtesy? that are a discourtesy, that the unprofessional, uh, the lack of professional courtesy that is afforded our truck driving professionals, where, where's most of that take place? Kelly Lynn.
2: Well, I think there's not one place. Sadly, I would like to say this is the biggest problem, but I don't see it as one place. And when I came into the industry, I was absolutely mortified by how I was treated everywhere. I went, wow. including with my family and friends at home they're like, really, you're going to be a truck driver. Oh my God. She's lost her mind. She's gone to the dark side. Why would you want to do that? I mean, really it, it nobody respected the fact that I was a truck driver and I even had people tell me that it was not a place for women. It, you know, like, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> it's like, for real, you know, I thought you were my friend, but you know, like when I'm driving on the road, people cut me off. They don't give me the space that I need, you know, like, you know, People just flip you off for being slow, but dang, right. I'm eighty thousand pounds. Do you know how long it takes me to get going or stop? <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. Is
0: well, if anyone can relate to anything, we're all drivers, even in these crazy times. You're referencing changing speeds early. What What <laughs> do you What do you and maybe most truck drivers wish that other drive, non truck drivers, you know, driving our small little cars and
1: and SUVs the four wheelers is what they call us
2: the four wheelers (laughs) -wheelers, right that's right I, I my wish is that they give me the space that I need to do my job that means giving me enough space to stop and don't turn in front of me until you can see all of me in your rear view mirror and don't expect that you know what's on the other side of me when you're merging into traffic and you want me to move over for you? That I can't do it quickly. You know, if I see you come and I always try and slow down and let people in. But if I have somebody on the other side of me, I definitely cannot move over. And if you're indecisive about what you're going to do when you merge, I can't accommodate that.
0: That's gold. <laughs> I really can't. Those last two minutes we're going to make sure is is one of the, the snackables that come out of this. That is gold. Everyone should know that and they enact on it. So, Ward. Yeah. I think there's three main roles and I'm sure uh, Killadin has others that we wanted to kind of uncover here today. Yeah. I think we the first one, I think we've got a good sense or did you have a follow-up question?
1: Well, I had one more follow-up question and I mean, I guess it's more of just a comment for the four wheelers out there like me. And that's when you see these trucks driving down the road, you might get a little agitated. They're driving too slow or whatever it is, but you've got to remember not only are these human beings, Uh, that are working to provide for their family, risking their lives. But on top of that, these truck drivers are delivering all of the products. When you press the button now on Amazon to get stuff delivered to your house the same day, like these are the people that are bringing it to your door and they're out there risking their lives. And uh, I think for me, when I got into commercial real estate and specifically logistics real estate and started walking through warehouses, distribution centers and truck terminals and seeing all this, like you said, like you, it just opens your eyes. So when I go to the grocery store, I mean, I just started looking around like, oh my gosh, like the logistics involved from the full truckload coming from the Kellogg's distribution center, going to all the different grocery stores and getting, you know, but there's all of these people out there risking their lives. So everybody needs to not honk your horn and flip the bird, but, but you know, have some gratitude for the people you're sharing the road with and, you know, give them a little nod with your trucker hat there. (laughs) So um, we really appreciate it. But now moving on, aside from truck driving, you're also a training engineer for Schneider.
2: Right. Um, So So I take, I take new hires from Schneider. They have a three week training program. The first two weeks are all in-house and getting tested and learning about our systems. And the last week is to go spend a week, With a driver running their loads for them so they're basically with me for a five to seven days we run my loads i have the work assignments and i consider myself the finisher not so much a trainer but a finisher so we're talking about customer service and lifestyle and how to manage your time and doing things over and over and over and over again with coupling and uncoupling and pre-trip and post-trip and sliding tandems and securing loads checking tires so that 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 we're just building that into their muscle memory right so that they do the same thing every time so that they're safe and i really enjoy it i work with men and women that are trainers trainees in my truck and people from all over the world which is great for me because i have a lot of cultural sensitivity and i think i can relate and figure out how to communicate with people that aren't from the same culture as me. And I have a lot of respect and curiosity and appreciation for that. So I spend a week out with them doing that and it's, it's rewarding and you know, it's, it's a little extra money in the pocket too to be a trainer. So, and, uh, I'm actually,
0: ex- Would you agree Kelly that there's a lot of bright people coming up, coming into industry that you get to spend time and rub elbows with?
2: Yes, that's true. And, and, you know i'm i'm kind of the last the first of the last stops before if someone's really not prepared for this job if it's if they don't have the right kind of commitment to safety and uh the work ethic then you know it's we just have those conversations and sometimes i do have to move on they don't pass <laughs> so, i love it yeah. sadly but i do what i can
1: <laughs> well that's great so last thing here now you talked about how like the You know, civilian four wheelers view truck drivers in general, but then let's narrow it down to being a female truck driver and how that impacts you. And then specifically, you were the first driver ambassador for Women in Trucking Association. And yep. the Women's and Trucking Association. So, um, we'd love to hear about that and just females in the truck driving business and commercial real estate. We're, you know, doing our best to be more diverse. But if you go to a commercial real estate conference, there's a bunch of white guys that are in the room and not as many women as we'd like to have. But I can only imagine, I think I've heard it before like it's 3% or 5% or something of all truck drivers are females. Is that kind of, am I close to that? And maybe you could speak on that and also the women in trucking association
2: right so when i started in trucking over seven years ago it was at three percent and i'm happy to tell you that we're in uh nationwide we're about they're about 10 percent female commercial drivers out that's awesome so that's a huge increase my goal before i leave this position is i want to see it at 25 percent 25 percent of the commercial motor vehicle drivers out there are female we have statistics prove that we take less risks and that we are safer drivers than our male counterparts. You're smarter. And I, well, I don't know if we're smarter, (laughs) but I just statistically, we happen to, we have less dwell time, which is unused time on the clock and we are safer drivers and we take less risks. And so there is a lot of opportunity out here. And one of the things that Women in Trucking Association is out here to do is share all these career opportunities highlight some of our obstacles as we work forward to um, address some of them. And then also just to share stories of women out here who are successful. So I am one of many women that are out here that are enjoying it and loving it and think that there's a place for more women in this industry. Some of the things that I think that need to change in order for that to happen is we need to quit putting this career in the mail only box, which is what I did before I was in it. so we need to just stop we need to change that dialogue and and tell our daughters, sisters, nieces, cousins, mothers that there are job opportunities in this industry for them, whether it be as a driver, a mechanic um a, you know some sort of technician or dispatcher whatever but they're out here. And we need to provide more opportunities in our, what do they call it, technical skill training, vocational skills, Mm -hmm. and get that message out to the women. And I think that we need to do, because we have such a shortage of drivers right now, we need to find ways to make this training either more affordable or free, so that people that have the interest... Can get this training. I paid five thousand dollars out of my pocket ask, in order to do $5, this. Five thousand dollars.
0: Five thousand
2: dollars. And when I started, I was making twenty-eight cents a mile, and I did the math, and I was like, "Dang, that's a lot of miles to pay for that, right?" Yeah. <laughs> so um, it is still five thousand dollars, and generally, yeah, between four and five thousand dollars to get a CDL if you're going to pay for it on your own. Most schools are Monday through Friday. I was lucky that I found a school that I could do my training on the weekend so I could have a job during the week and do my training on the weekend. That's not very common. The schools, there's not a lot of consistency in the quality of the schools. There's not a lot of consistency in the training that you get after you have your CDL when you're onboarding with your carrier. There's lots of room for growth there. And I would like to see more emphasis put on the quality of the training environment, not just for females, but for males as well. But it's just, there's no consistency and we need to make sure that it's harassment free, that carriers are not using these new hires as cheap labor to Mm. move freight. And they're working as a team. And so that they're not actually supervised when they're driving the trainer is asleep in the bunk and that it's paid and that it's standardized. And I'm one of 24 drivers that was nominated to be on a driver panel for FMCSA and IMSAC, which is the Motor Carrier Safety Committee. Um, I, I, I'm in a loss for the-, all the Regardless, right a
0: big honor, a big honor. It we is a huge honor. It. Yes. Yeah.
2: So these are some of the things we're talking about and we don't have the decision-making power in this driver committee, but at, you know, when I became an advocate for drivers I thought you know high in the sky I get to have conversations get to have the ear of people at the federal level that make the decisions that affect me hmm. and I have worked so hard to get here and I'm not going to take for granted that opportunity and there's 24 of us all different kinds of drivers even bus drivers and we have the opportunity to share perspectives from the driver experience with these people who have the ability to change the legislation and the Uh, rules. And if we could create a standardized training environment for onboarding and for carriers, I would be absolutely thrilled.
0: Big need, big, huge need, (laughs) folks. We got it. We got to standardize and make it easy. It's one of many things we need to do to attack the challenge we have and offer more solutions. But but, hey, about seven miles back, you talked about 5,000 bucks for training. And twenty-eight cents a mile. That that payback period was seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty-eight <laughs> miles to break even. So, yeah. quick question there, and and I want to talk about some other industry uh, issues and challenges. But how has pay, how has compensation changed? Twenty-eight cents a mile when you were training. Where are we at? Just roughly, where are we at now?
2: I think between forty and fifty cents a mile is okay. what. New drivers, probably closer to 42 to 45 is what new drivers come on. And these are company drivers. I'm not speaking about owner operators, right? They have a whole nother set of complicating factors, you know, equipment, permits, you know. Right. Yeah. So I, you know.
1: And just to do the math for people that might be thinking about becoming a truck driver, um, which is one of the most in-demand jobs I think there is in Mm -hmm. the United States right now how many miles a year do you, do you typically drive? And like, how does that work out? Like at that for like at 40 cents or whatever, like how many miles a year is standard or like a range?
2: Well, let's say if it, it varies from driver to driver, right. And I, I do, I wear multiple hats, if you said, so I'm not full-time driving. I'm doing ambassador stuff on the side too. So to become a million miler, you need to, it takes about 10 years, which is about a hundred thousand miles a year. I put in about sixty to seventy a year, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm finally more comfortable with my pay, and my company. I love my company. I I lo- I, w- I drive as a, a for Schneider, and I have not found a reason to leave them, which is highest compliment I could give any carrier and they have done so much to like listen to me and encourage me and you know when I go to them I'm talking about driver experience or driver pay they really do pay attention and they do surveys and that's one of the things that I think carriers can do is they really survey their drivers and when the drivers say the reason that they're leaving if they do exit surveys the reason they're leaving is pay believe them (laughs) Don't say, you know, it is pay and working conditions. But you can't ignore the pay part, right? We got to make a living. And we have a dangerous job drivers should be paid for the hardships and the risk that this job entails. We are expected almost across the board to work 70 hours a week. I believe that's unrealistic. Wow! And with COVID, our new drivers are from a different generation that expect a little they expect a career path not just you become a driver and you stay a driver but become that there's a career path in this industry for them and that pay increases and that they can have time with their family and you know that balance that work life balance is important to them and it and it should be important to them and we need to accommodate that i just don't right. think that we can keep on the way we're going
0: so <laughs> I'm with you, and I know an hour okay. doesn't ever give you enough time to address and and to get the Rid full of the story strike. out there. <laughs> yeah, But we're scratching the surface here, and and you know I know you're a humble person, but beyond the FMCSA, S-A. <S-A, right, accompl- accomplishment and honor, you are also a finalist for Influential Woman of the Year uh, in 2019 for Women and Trucking Association. So you are certainly a mover and shaker and industry needs needs more educated perspective from the folks that make it happen. So keep, so we love your doer. And <laughs> I'm a doer
2: and I, yeah, I want to leave this industry better than I found it uh, for sure. And I, I love that. it. And I want to share the good things and ward as you know, you go about your, uh, real estate <laughs> endeavors Think about parking. Parking is one of the biggest issues besides pay and driving conditions, but it's in the driving condition, right? Right. And as, as you work with developers that are building these industrial areas, I can't tell you how many times I go into an industrial area and they know there's hundreds of thousands of us coming in and out of there every day and they don't even build truck friendly curbs or entrances entrances there's no place for us to park to do our break you know my Taj Mahal at the carrier would I would arrive I would only check in once not twice not at the gate and then again inside the shipper I would they would be able to tell me exactly where I'm parking I would be able to take my break there might be a truck stop nearby it would be clean it plenty of space to pull up and set up for parking the empties that I go pick that I go pick up would be spaced far enough apart that I could walk between them in order to raise or lower the landing gear. Sometimes they're, they're only two inches apart. So I had literally have to crawl under there and do the little, you know, rotating thing half and then go back and half in order to get the landing gear to go up or down and that there would be a break area that's air conditioned that has a toilet, some food, maybe a water fountain to refill our water bottles and that they're, that the signage is big and it's it's friendly and that people are friendly and that they just appreciate that we're there so often i go to a carrier right now and it's hard to get in there's you know there's no place to park there's no toilets there's no hand washing stations and the business model for the supply chain related to drivers is broken mm. it's broken across the board And we need to rethink that business model and we need to make it instead of just profit generated, we need to make it more people-centered and people centered and drivers really need to be at the center of that business model because we need them. We really, really, really need them.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. No doubt about it. So, all right. So you touched on a lot there and I think Mm -hmm. there's something for uh, shippers or something for carriers or something for developers. There's something for uh, supply chain professionals, right, that, that have a hand or even a pinky in the environment and the conditions of, of the yards that you enter and the facilities you and fellow trucking professionals enter. And there's no shortage of change that needs to happen. But, you know, the, the, the one of the most disappointing things to me when I hear some of what you share and, and some of the other driving professionals that we interview is the easiest thing in my mind, is just to be human and kind and considerate and and professional, right? With our drivers. Why are we continuing really? to miss those basics that we learned in the kindergarten, you know?
2: Yeah. Right. I really think for some reason, I don't know why I've asked a bunch of people like, when did we become not important? When did we become not human? So if you are anywhere in the supply chain, make those positions, positions that you would be happy to encourage a family member to do, fulfill, yep. whatever you want to call it. And if it's a job that you think is unsavory and you wouldn't want a family member to do it, what are you going to do to change that? And mm-hmm. everybody needs to be saying that.
1: Can I ask an edgy question? Yeah. Yes. So there's the stereotype that when you go to truck stops you might often run into drugs and prostitution and and criminal behavior at truck stops and how has that and i feel like that a lot of that could be like from the 80s or something and i don't know if it still exists today but how how is that at the truck stops And. Is it something that you faced? you pick out truck stops based upon knowing that there is safer place with less of that stuff? And then is there a group of truck drivers that still support that economy of vice, I guess?
2: Well, the first thing that I, I, I really want to emphasize is that truckers are not the problem. And those problems use our infrastructure to make their business, whether mm-hmm. it be drugs or prostitution. We're not the problem we're actually in a really good place to be able to see the problem and do something about it and i'm also a member of the truckers against trafficking and on their advisory committee and uh trucks i'm not going to say it's not there because it is but it's not as prevalent as the general public thinks and yes part of being a truck driver is finding a safe place to park and with that comes I look for places that they're usually major chains. They're well lit. They have security. They keep it clean. And, you know, and I I park in rest areas too along the highways. You know, Uh, I actually sometimes prefer those if I don't need a shower because they have some green green space to walk. They're typically quieter. And I I like the ones that really that have a toilet. I mean, like really, you know, it's the hierarchy of needs.
0: Right. Well, Hey, you mentioned a wonderful nonprofit. They've been on the show with us before. Love their mission. They shared a mother speaking about getting reunited with her daughter who was in truck mm-hmm. trafficking truckers folks. If you're looking for a nonprofit that is action focused, deeds, not words out there doing really good things to support, check out truckers against trafficking. And it's great to hear Kelly Lynn. You're on the board. So they're I'm benefiting- not on the board,
2: I'm on the advisory committee. Oh, sorry,
0: advisory committee. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't get anybody angry. But still, <laughs> they need advisors like you. I mean,
1: you know what? I'm gonna tell you right now, like I'm gonna go figure out how our team can start um, becoming involved with that because it's such an important cause, and that's just there's nothing you know more devastating than trafficking that's going on and um Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah. I think you don't hear I don't think you everyone hears in the general public about the extent of it like if the media talked about trap trafficking the way they do about COVID it might change mm-hmm. a lot of people's way of thinking about this kind of stuff.
0: Excellent yeah. point. I wish I could recite statistics yeah. maybe Kelly Lim can we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars of a, of an economy powered by mm-hmm. you know one of the big yeah. worst crimes against humanity right.
2: Yeah. And they're exploiting the infrastructure that I use to make a living. <laughs> this is where I work and right. they use the same thing to take advantage of that system. So it's truck drivers okay. are not the problem. Uh,
1: can you tell us a little more about how they use it? Just like, I mean, like how, what they're, how that's working. Well, they're,
2: tra- they're transporting their product, which is people right on our highway system. And they often make exchanges in and around these truck stops and, you know, the hotels along the way, Airbnbs are, I have a friend that's an undercover cop in Oklahoma city. And, you know, he's like, they'll rent an Airbnb next to a major highway for a couple of days. And by the time anybody figures out what's going on, they've gone on and moved to a different Airbnb. It's, it's really, it's heart wrenching. Some of these stories, And, but truckers are not the problem,
0: (laughs) right? We're part
2: of the solution,
0: (laughs) right? Well, as I'm, I'm on their site now, over 1.2 million truckers have been registered as uh, truckers against trafficking trained. Mm -hmm. So they're getting trained Mm -hmm. up on what to look for. So that if we see something, we say Mm -hmm. something and that's how, that's how they're rescuing, literally Mm -hmm. rescue, rescuing lives. Okay. So again, folks go to truckersagainsttrafficking.org to learn a lot more. Kelly Lynn, bringing it back to you. I want to ask you about a powerful eureka moment here at recent times. But before we do, I know we've we've covered a wide range of, of topics related to the industry. Is there anything else we missed prior to kind of picking your brain on a eureka moment?
2: You know, sometimes I like to talk about the future and I really think that the game is changing right now and people are going to see electric commercial motor vehicles and driverless commercial motor vehicles sooner than they think. And I actually think that's a great thing because it can help us address some of these driver shortage needs and some of our environmental concerns. And with electric trucks is going to become hopefully shorter routes. So I think we'll be able to accommodate more people into the industry because there won't be as much of a need or an ability to do the long haul routes. And you know, the platooning vehicles with the driverless vehicles will be doing more of the long haul. And then we'll have electric vehicles that are doing shorter routes. I think we're going to see, we need to see younger drivers that are on a career path. And I, I really think that carriers are going to have to wake up and pay us more and expect less than 70 hours a week out of us and that our shippers are going to have to be more friendly or else they're not going to get the loads from the carriers.
0: Right. I appreciate you sharing that forward-looking vision. Uh, it, it is as, yeah. ex, as exciting of a time as it is to be in and end to end, global supply chain, regardless of your role. Also, as you're pointing out, Colin a lot of stuff's got to change, right? And I, I would argue, just I would argue, you know, we're, we're kind of, it's a race at the bottom in many ways right now with the pressure we're putting on on delivery times, and those service levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen companies, and I wish I, I got to Google this. There's a company that's specializing in traditional shipping times. So folks that don't need the pair of socks and, you know, same day or mm-hmm. one day, they're specializing in those, you know, two week 1980s shipping times. That's intriguing to me, you know, but yeah. we'll save that for another show. So I appreciate it. Again, I, I love where you're coming from. I love your passion, your experiences. More folks need to hear from the Kelly lens of industry. Let's talk about maybe a little more on a personal level or leadership level. We all have Eureka moments every day. And gosh, these last 18 months with the pandemic that, that Ward mentioned earlier, that we're all living with and one shape, or perform globally, we're probably having several Eureka moments a day. What's been an what's been a powerful one for you here fairly recently? Uh,
2: well, I have. There's one moment that just like really warms my heart, and it it was I was driving along in this road, small town, two lanes each way, and this old conversion van pulled up next to me, and I noticed that there was a white haired granny like looking lady in the passenger seat. <laughs> And I looked down and then I looked up and then I saw some movement out of the corner of my eye. I looked down again and she's doing the whole like arm pump thing. And she was with another granny lady and that was driving the conversion minivan. And they were both like, yeah. And so I gave them a little honk honk and this was in the middle of a small town and you're not supposed to do that. That's not, you know, okay. Right. And anyway, not telling I, anybody. I couldn't <laughs> hold back. And so I gave them like two honk honks and they literally were exploding, laughing, clapping in their seats. And at first I was like, why are they so excited about this? But then I realized that it had to be that they saw another lady doing what they wished that they had been able to do. And they just, it just made them happy. And it was it was awesome. I mean, I just, you know, like I'll never get that picture out of my head.
0: <laughs> I love that. What a great story. And now that I'm not going to get that pic- picture out of my head, but you know, Thelma and Louise, it sounds like they, they were having a blast and, and breaking all the rules and and you helped entertain them a little bit, uh, brighten their day a little yeah. bit. So I love that Kelly Lynn. Yeah. Okay. There's so much more. I know Ward and I would love to I... chat with you, but we want to make sure we, we, we offer bites to of the elephant. So Kelly Lynn, how can folks connect with you in case they want to bring you in and have you speak to their organization or their association or you name it, how can folks connect with you?
2: So my email is Kelly Lynn at women and trucking association.org. And you can find us at women and trucking association.org as well. Online. We're a great organization. There's lots of opportunity for people to get involved. We're working on mentorship programs for new drivers if you're on the associate side, lots of connections. It's a great networking place. And we're just at the decision making table in so many venues. I love the carrier that I work for at Schneider. And if you're interested, you can find me at through Schneider as well. So you just need to give them an email.
0: <laughs> I love it. And we were gonna make it easy. So we're gonna we're gonna take your some of the things you mentioned, some of the links you mentioned, and it, you folks you'll be able to find that in the show notes of the great. episode, along with uh, some of the things that, that Ward has touched on as well. But Kelly Lynn, uh, it's been so cool to sit down with you. Uh, you're, you're better than advertised. We knew we were up for a great conversation here today, but you know, I feel like we're just, <laughs> just chapter one. There's, there's hundreds of more chapters. We'll have to have you back on and talk more with you, but really thanks. uh big thanks for your time and, and consideration here today
2: yeah well thank you i enjoyed it and just remember give us the space we need to do our job
0: <laughs> right and and thank a trucker for what we all enjoy as consumers they're the absolute backbone of the industry uh, their problems are our problems everybody's problems so let's let's uh let's help drive some change there and certainly give some awareness of that's of the challenges that kelly lynn has been speaking to so Before we go, as much as we uh, enjoyed learning about Kelly Lynn's journey, Ward, great to reconnect with you. You've got a couple of new projects up your sleeve, too. How can you feel free to tell us about that and and certainly tell us how we can connect with the wolf? Okay, man, (laughs) I
1: appreciate that. Um, And Kelly Lynn, thanks so much. This is just such an amazing podcast today. So great to be. Be here with you so the best way to connect with me is always my i i work at collier's international and we're a large three billion dollar publicly traded company and my team is based here in our dallas office and um, we have a team website at supplychainrealestate.com so that's a great place to go for all of your supply chain real estate needs and you can contact me through there or linkedin or you can go to the collier's website and google my name So um, any of those ways. And um, yeah, I did mention to Scott and um, I'll just briefly touch on this. I just started a new company with one of my friends from college on September 1st officially and it's called Supply Chain Labor LLC. So um, we have a website called supplychainlabor.com and my friend, uh, Paul Ruby is his name. He's an immigration attorney. So we work together and we actually are bringing over workers from overseas that wanna come to America on permanent working visas to be truck drivers and or distribution center workers or work in manufacturing facilities, all things supply chain related. So there's lots of shortages in that area. And I've noticed that from being in the real estate sector for the last 15 years, And uh, so we're going to try to take advantage of that, solve problems for existing customers, truck, trucking companies, logistics companies, e-com, all the shippers, and uh, hopefully bring some more truck drivers over to keep doing what you're doing, Kelly Lynn. Awesome. That is
0: wonderful. Where do you get, where do you both y'all get any sleep at night? Goodness gracious, you're busy doing good things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay well big thanks again we've been talking with kelly mcclellan fascinating uh, professional doing what she does not only uh what she does say functionally but what she's doing in industry right to drive change and bring awareness and and it's tough to do anything without having the awareness and making sure folks know what's going on so big thanks to kelly lynn McLaughlin. of course big thanks to the one and only ward richmond it's really cool to hear what some of the cool things some of the new initiatives you're up to ward we will have Kelly back soon and the real supply chain real estate series is back with us in October with our friends at Prologis so y'all look for that but hey in the meantime be sure to connect with both Kelly Lynn and Ward on social if you enjoy conversations like these check us out at supplychainnow.com of course you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from subscribe so you don't miss things like Kelly Lynn and Ward but most importantly folks most importantly if you remember one thing act on what you've heard here today do good give forward be the change that's needed to be just like Kelly Lynn and the world will be a better place. I promise you. That is all for now. We'll see you next time, right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.